This is the limitless Keith Lee. This is Brody King. This is Angel Garza. Will Ospreay. Hornswoggle. Pentagon Junior. The villain, Marty Scow. The Mexican Ray Phoenix. King Ricochet. Concrete Rose, Sunny Kiss. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the busted wide open. 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 Busted wide open podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome everybody to BWO Live, coming to you from Twitch. This is episode number 257 of Busted Wide Open. Still putting over Keith Lee more than WWE Raw. My name is Nick Howell. <laughs> and with apologies to Chris Jericho, I invented the Mimosa Mayhem match years ago during a bottomless champagne brunch, and they still speak about it in hushed tones at the Overland Cafe while making the sign of the evil eye at the chilaquiles and hiding the corned beef hash. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the Busted Wide Open podcast and live show on Twitch, as you say, Nick. We are also on YouTube. You can catch us all over the place. We're everywhere, Nick. We're all over the place. We're, we're like retribution. We pop up when you least expect it. We're everywhere. That's right. Speaking of all of those things, we have an absolutely freaking ginormous show for you today, which is unusual for a Tuesday. I know usually our Tuesday shows are a nice, tidy hour, 20 it's like to hour, diet 30. BWO on, yeah. on Tuesdays. Yeah. Not today. <laughs> AEW Dynamite happened on Saturday. We have to cover that. We had the Raw Fallout show from SummerSlam. We've got to talk about... Also, New Japan is gearing up for some big shows this week, so we have to set you all up for that and talk some New Japan. And Jesse Money's Bright Side of the Ring is happening today as well. We have a nice little positive segment talking about something awesome and, and uplifting and positive that happens in the world of wrestling. We're going to need that at the end of the show. show today, that's for sure. Oh, we are. We are. We, uh, Nick and I are coming into this hot. We're hot under the collar. Nick, we're a little, we're a little spicy, but you know, before we get to that hot, beefy spice... Let's do some housekeeping, and we'll get into the show. Yes, guys, come over and join us in Discord. It is the place to be to interact with all of us, everyone, everyone all the time, everyone everywhere, every show. We have live chats going on for it, all kinds of stuff. Uh, get into our social medias over at Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast. Get into the Facebook group and like our page over there. Uh, follow us and subscribe to us on YouTube. I should, it's, why is it still subscribe on YouTube? It should be It's follow everywhere else. Subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com <laughs> slash See, this is what we're going to expect today we're a lot of this oh. today a lot of salt there's a lot of salt in the room Woo! it is uh <laughs> it's, it's it's hot in here and my ac's out again so extra of spicy of course it is extra spicy <sighs> today uh last but certainly not least our patrons thank you guys so much what an amazing amazing weekend i can't say it enough thank you guys for the patron uh pickups challenge mm-hmm. our new champion jeremy i i think it's brad nick i apologize jeremy if i'm pronouncing it wrong uh mud smack Yes, as he's also uh, affectionately known as, is our new 
and new BWO patron Pickham's champion after his very, very narrow victory over former champion Justice Dutterer. Uh, in the SummerSlam mm. Patrons Pick'em Challenge. It was a bloodbath. It was a war. Oh, it's war. so nasty when you only have eight matches. Oh, my God. Anyway, thank you guys so much for all of your participation in that. We had over 40 entries this time. Thank you, guys. It was so amazing. Uh, almost all of you showed up and, and just wowed it out across all of it with your picks and your bets and all of that stuff. That's what makes it fun. So thank you guys for showing out. Thank you for being amazing patrons and being able to support this show the way that you do. Uh, if you guys would like to get Indeed. in on some of that and get access to uh, bonus episodes, Skype calls, show notes, uh, the next patron pickums happening at Survivor Series, patreon.com slash BWO. Uh, yep. Get signed up over there. Oh, I got to start things off. Abe. Abe is kicking us off hot with yeah. a thousand hey. bits. Thank you, sir. A thousand sir. bits Thank toasting you. the new champ Dang. and mimosas on him today. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, some of you mimosa jokes today, guys. <laughs> give me a couple. Just give me one or two. Yeah. But let's not waste any more time, guys. We have a massive, nope. massive show for you today. Strap in, grab a drink, enjoy, and we're going to kick things off with AEW Dynamite. Well, Cody has been defending that TNT championship for a little while now. He's defended it against all comers. He's mm. had indie guys. He's had surprises from left field. He's had mid-carters, lower-carters from AEW all coming at him. And he's beaten them all, Nick. He's taken them all out. He's overestimated some of them. He's underestimated other ones. But this week, he had Mr. Brody Lee from the Dark Order who kind of threw his hat into the ring last week out of nowhere. And uh, Cody said, sure, why not? I'll take on another comer. And we all looked at this and went, cool, Brody Lee's finally going to get a shot. Now, last week, Nick, if, if you'll recall, we said there is no way that the Dark Order can survive if Brody Lee loses this. Correct. We said that at this point, the Dark Order has been made to look like such an ineffective, toothless organization that if Brody loses this as well, just write them off of TV, scrap them like you did the Nightmare Collective, and start over from scratch because no one will ever take them seriously again. Well, apparently, it's not just WWE who has a mole amongst the phenomenal ones who listen to this show. Apparently, it's AEW as well. Either that, or they just have a grasp on good logical booking because Brody Lee came in and didn't just beat Cody for the TNT Championship, Nick. Oh, no. Mm. No. He absolutely demolished him. Cody got in, I think, one bit of offense, and the rest was Brody Lee murdering Cody. I timed it. Inside and outside of the ring. Three minutes. Mm. I timed it. Just destruction. This was Brock Lesnar killing John Cena levels of shocking babyface destruction. Mm. Uh, absolute annihilation. And the best part was it didn't end with the match because afterwards the Dark Order came out to celebrate. Cody was put onto a stretcher because he was beaten so badly. And they started to stretch him away the Dark Order grabbed him in the, the tunnel, brought his gurney back, which got upended by Mr. Brody. He tossed that thing like it was a pile of matchsticks. Out came the rest of the Dark Order. They'd found 
Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall, the rest of the Nightmare family backstage, they'd beaten them to a pulp. They threw their corpses out on the stage. Brandy comes in, throws her body over her man to prevent any further destruction to Cody, at which point the Dark Order stops and goes, Aww, isn't that cute? We got a chick, too. Hey, Anna Jay. Yeah. Now that Nick's broken up with you and you're evil, take her out. And Anna Jay gets down the ground and chokes out Brandy. <laughs> Uh, Brody Lee at one point has hit Cody in the head with a with a sack filled with something. He takes that sack, upends it over Cody. It is the broken, shattered pieces of the previous TNT mock-up championship, which he had promised to give back to Cody if he won in this match. So he pours them over Cody's corpse, and we go home on the shot of Mr. Brody holding the new TNT championship up high, grinning from ear to ear, covered in sweat, and Cody and Brandy sort of desperately kind of holding hands, their broken bodies barely able to move. Holy crap, Nick. I have I have I have one thing that that I'd I'd like to add to everything you just said. Yes, please. <laughs> For those of you listening to the podcast, Nick is standing, standing and ovation. applauding. Yeah. Mwah. Mwah. The best kind of shocking squash. That's you how you end the show. <laughs> Man. That's also how you end a show with the Dark Order standing tall, as opposed to last year in December where they stood tall at the end of a dynamite and everyone just crapped all over it. This all of a sudden makes you terrified of the Dark Order. This was extremely effective. It was surprising. It was shocking. It was violent. It was fun. It was a ton of fun. I, I, I sat bolt upright when this all went down, and it was, it was yeah, it was very entertaining. So my question now, Nick, is they have just strapped Brody Lee. Yep. They have anointed him, if you will, finally, after kind of taking a little time to get us past his loss to Moxley here. But this is the thing. One of the criticisms we always level at AEW, one of their consistent problems, is creating a monster and then taking him down too soon. You have just... Re, in, brought back from the dead the Brody Lee monster in some ways uh, where he was just kind of on the sidelines he was just there doing his Brody Lee thing here we are again he's a monster again they, they boom they did it again they were able to bring him back in one match pretty much um, which shows he didn't fall that he didn't fall that far like he was still he was still had something there this was the match he had to win though he won it but Will they be able to keep this up? Will they be able to keep him a monster? And if so, for how long? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I still, in a way, in a wrestling kind of way, I still want what I what I wanted, which was he's final boss. Now I guess they can sort of shuffle the deck a little bit and make him that in a way. But I still I still the want the Dark yeah. Order, especially with a Colt Cabana and an Anna Jay sort of on the front lines alongside Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. I still kind of want that the front lines of Dark Order as a whole faction to be more prominent than Brody Lee. And it's funny because we still get lots of Dark... Because there's lots of guys in Dark Order, and a lot of them work matches, and not as jobbers, but they don't win. Like, yeah. we had a we had a, a, a Dark Order versus the Elite match other, elsewhere in the show. The story there was that it was relatively competitive, but the Elite ultimately won because Kenny Omega kind of went psycho. And murdered them, and then after the match, tried to powerbomb, I think it was Alex Silver, uh, maybe it was Angels, I don't know, but it was tried to powerbomb one of them onto a chair that had been turned legs upward, 
And the Bucks had to actually pull Kenny back and be like, dude, what are you doing? Whoa, 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 whoa. And the, the, the it was psycho like him with Kenny Marco Omega, a few weeks ago. Well, this is what I was going to say. Yeah. Psycho Kenny has been rearing his head for a, a few times now. So that was more of the story of this match. Um, also, I don't think they wanted to tip their hand that the, the Dark Order was you know, going to win later in the show. So having them lose, that might have been the booking idea there. But do you still have Dark Order? Everyone in Dark Order lose but Brody Lee? Because if so, that still creates a weird dichotomy within the organization itself. You can't have a final boss where everyone else is a joke. Right. Right. You have to have some guys who you can legitimize. No, that's why I think the masked minions are the perfect ones to be jobbers, to be out there to take those L's. But then you have that sort of foursome of Cole Cabana, Anna Jay, and then Steve, uh, uh, Eva Luno and Stu Grayson. Man, it would be so good if they were the prominent ones, if they were tag champs, and then you had Brody that anytime they couldn't get it. We've done this so many times now. I feel like I'm just repeating myself. But it just, oh, it would be so, Let's see what happens from now. Now we've established Brody is a monster. Yeah. He now takes all of that rub that Cody has built up onto the TNT Championship oh. for months since the debut that he's been defending every single They built up so week. much equity. Yes, Brody Lee so now much has equity. that, and that's and huge. they murdered, they murdered, they they beat up Arn Anderson like they absolutely put the foot down. And as you said, they 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 spent that equity they built on Cody. Yep, uh, to to help bring back the terror that is Brody Lee. So fantastic work there. Mm. Elsewhere on the show, Orange Cassidy was supposed to have an interview about his uh, win over Chris Jericho last week, his shock victory over Chris Jericho last week. But before he said anything, surprisingly, out came Chris Jericho looking a little tipsy in uh, his Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat uh, jacket right? to say, you know what, Orange Cassidy? You beat me. Yeah. You're, you have the heart. You've got the grit. You've, you've got what it takes, Orange Cassidy. But something, occur- something occurs to Le Champion, and that is that I've won one, you've won one. Perhaps we should have a rubber match. What do you say, Orange Cassidy? How about Chris Jericho create a new kind of match? The man who created the Money in the Bank match create a new kind of match. The Mimosa Mayhem match where we mix a whole crap ton of freshly squeezed orange juice with what was 80 it, gallons, five, I think I heard. 80 gallons with, with like 50 cases of the bubbly. Now, when I was listening to that, when I, when I was... 500 cases of the bubbly, excuse me. I mean, when, he was going, bubbly. When, he, when he was going through this, I was like, hmm, yeah, we do need a blow-off match. We do need a rubber match yeah, between rubber these match. two guys. Like, oh, my God, we could, do, we could do like a no DQ. We could do like a false count anywhere. We can do any of those. No, a Mimosa Mayhem match. Holy... Okay. Okay. I'm in. I'm curious. Yeah. You can win by pinfall, disqual- pinfall submission or getting tossed into the vat of mimosa. You know someone going in that mimosa. Yeah. And we, if this was two women in a bikinis, we'd be pissed off. But because it's Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, and frankly, I don't know what 3 a.m. shower thought came up with. Wait a minute. When, if you get... If you take a little bit of the bubbly and you mix it with orange juice, you get a mosa. I don't know, uh, you know, h- how many showers Chris had to take to come up with that, but that's it's pretty funny. Ugh. But it's also ridiculous and silly. That hasn't stopped them from putting on 
absolutely amazingly entertaining matches like this, the, the stadium stampede, where it's just it's supposed to be somewhat ridiculous. Yeah. And you know what? If we're going to have the serious stuff over there with the TNT Championship, Kenny going insane, FTR, all of that, and you want a little bit of lighthearted something elsewhere in the card, I'm not mad at this. All yep. right. All right. Let's see what you have in store. Let's yeah. see what they have in store for this. Ended with uh, uh, Orange Cassidy giving the, you know, the little thumbs up and accepting. And Chris said, great. Let's celebrate by having the inner circle beat up you and all your boys, and which they did. So, and, and they start pouring bottles of champagne on him, and you would have thought oh, it was water- acid. Right? They, they waterboarded him. Have you ever had champagne poured on your face? No. It happened to Damian Priest this week, too, by the way, after TakeOver, where he was celebrating, and she poured, uh, Brandy Lauren poured champagne on his face, and he was like, ah, ah, ah. It's because he's a vampire. Doesn't feel good. No. Uh, Champagne in your eyes is one of the, it's it's horrible. It's like acid. So, yeah, and it's also, so having someone thrown in the vat, it's a way to have someone lose without eating a pen. So there's that as well. Yeah. So we will see. I, 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 I am waiting with bated breath. I just cannot wait to see what this turns out to I, be. Yeah, I'm very curious. <laughs> so uh, if you have not been watching the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament, the deadly draw, uh, Ivelisse and Diamante defeated Dasha Gonzalez and Rachel Ellering in the first round. Uh, they went on to... Uh, let's see. They went on to beat... Oh, I've got the whole thing written down here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to do the whole thing. I don't. No. Okay. So Let's sorry. Just talk about uh, t- the final. They beat, so they beat uh, Tanara Conti and Anna J as well. Um, the Nightmare Sisters beat Big Swole and Little Swole, who had come in uh, beating uh, Leva Bates and Rach Chanel. So that was how it all went down. So our finals that we got were Diamante and Evelise uh, facing off against Brandy and Allie. And looking at this on the surface, you go. Okay, Brandy's here trying to promote the women's division. She's put herself in this tag team tournament. Wouldn't that suck <laughs> if she went through talents that existed in that division and you had some pretty good talents in that, in that tournament? And if she ends up winning the whole thing with Allie, it would have felt like nepotism. It would yeah. have felt like the whole thing BS. But here we were in the finals, and it looked like they were going to win for most of this match. Yep. Uh, and I hate to say it, but Brandy also looked like the worst wrestler in this match. Yep. It's not terrible, but not great either. Yep. Uh, and yet, at the end, despite interference from QT Marshall trying to help out the Nightmare Sisters, despite everything else, Diamante and Ivelisse pull out the win and pin Allie to pick up the victory and the cup. So they, they basically said, okay, yeah, Diamante and Ivelisse, two of the newest women they have. The Boricuas. They, they win. And at the end, they're, they're Medusa's there with the big trophy, and she hands them flowers. They throw it on the flowers. They hold up the Cuban and Puerto Rican flags. Nice. I dug that. Mm-hmm. Was that the right call, Nick, or should someone else who was involved in this have won? No, I, I, I liked the subterfuge here because I think it was one of those, oh, God, writing on the wall. Brandy's going to put herself over. There's some story with QT Marshall and Allie going on that we really haven't defined yet. There's Dustin Rhodes is still mad at QT because he can't focus. Like There's all this stuff going on, and it's all very distracting, and you're looking over here, and then all of a sudden, it's Ivelisse and Diamante. And yeah. I was like... Oh, brilliant. Oh, yes. And that's going to, are we going to split them up? Is we going to have the Al? I still think Allie's going to turn on all of them at some point. I'm convinced I'm of it. Fine. But, but, <laughs> and, and if she does, that's, and if she does, fine. But yeah. they've built up enough, as we said earlier, equity 
where they were able to pass that off and create two new stars with Diamante and Ivalice. Not that they they're brand new; they've had some stuff already. But you know, Diamante had a title match; she lost. This is a way of saying yes. Okay, now we have some more characters in our women's division that we can say uh, have some sort of legitimacy. Yeah. Are we so, actually getting smart. an AEW women's tag team division now? Has you, that been explicitly said? Because I've man, heard yes. WWE can barely pull off a tag team division, and they have three times the women. Sure. Sure. I can't see I, I, that It happen. still feels like the writing's on the wall for that, though. Like, that feels like what this was all about, was to explain, like, you just had, like, eight to ten different tag teams competing. I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way to you, Nick. AEW does something with its tag division that is different than everywhere everywhere else, pretty much, is that they are, their tag division's very fluid. Mm-hmm. You can be in a tag team and have a singles career at the same time. You can have a women's tag division, and Diamante and Elise are also single stars elsewhere. So there can be a quote-unquote women's tag division. It just won't be as codified as we usually think tag divisions are, right? Yeah. So I think it's possible. I do think it's possible. They still need a ton more women. They need some of their big stars to come back from injury. Uh, or they need to look outside, which is what they did for their champion. She doesn't have a match for All Out until now because she was challenged by Thunder Rosa. Mm. current NWA women's champ. Not doing anything because the NWA isn't running shows right now. So she's got nothing else to do. So this is this was brilliant. You got no one else for to challenge Sheeta. You bring in Thunder Rosa. The only question I have here, Nick, is who wins? Well, this champ was all off the back champ. of some social media taunting that was going on with Thunder Rosa while uh, NWA was trying to figure its ish out, you know, how to, yeah. get, how to get back uh, making shows. We kind of called this last week, too. We said this was a strong possibility. Yeah, and, and look at all the other stuff. Eddie Kingston, uh, Warhorse, all of that has started on social media. So you know mm-hmm. that the, the, the team at AEW has their eyes on all of the wrestlers making, uh, sort of putting themselves over as challengers, and good on them for bringing in Thunder Rosa. Uh, that, that little NWA women's title looks like a toy, but that's... That's another conversation. I mean, AEW AEW was not much better. Yeah, right. (laughs) So I, but yes, Thunder Rosa, current NWA Women's Champion, coming in and challenging Mm -hmm. the current AEW Women's Champion. Put it in my eye holes, please. That is exactly what I want to see. You went from I don't really care what's happening with Sheeta to give me that match. Yes. So good for good on them for going outside and uh, and making that happen. Hey, real Again, quick, Kyle little, threw uh, hundred yeah. bits in. Said the Thank biggest you, frustration I have about this tournament is that this made the to showcase new female talent for AEW to invest in. By that principle, Brandy and Allie should not have been in the finals. Tay J or Team Swole should have been there with Diamante and Ivelisse. Yes, but I don't I know think- if they would have been as valuable as opponents to defeat. To put release and Diamante exactly. over exactly, exactly. They needed to have someone that was a shock finish and uh, also create some buzz. Everyone, everyone saying, "Oh no!" Yep. You know, Brandy and Ali are in the finals. They're totally going to win this. And then when it's when it's Ivelisse and Diamante winning, it's a relief. You're excited and you're excited for them. So it actually smart booking in that sense. Because if it had been Tinara and, and Anna J versus them, you would have been upset no matter who won. It's like, well, I wanted. Well, it sucks that they had to lose. Kind of yeah. thing here. Brandy and Allie will be just fine. Yeah, they're fine. We still, everyone had a chance to be in a match. Anna G's got other stories going on. Who knows if they're going to sign Tay Conti or not. Uh, if they are, you know, they got to give her a gimmick and start something up. But at least she got to come and get in the door. They got a feeling for her in this as well. 
So it goes, it's a two-way street. Yeah. It's also a two-way street with Tully Blanchard. He's not only managing Sean Spears, but apparently he's also now managing FTR because he was ringside for their match against Private Party this week, which, as you would expect, they pretty handily won with help from Tully on the outside, uh, pulling his boy out of the way of a move. So we've got Tully now working with FTR, which, mm, mm-hmm. God, that's exciting. That is so exciting. <laughs> That is a that that alone would be a reason they would want to leave WWE and come over here so they can work with one of the guys that literally inspired their gimmick and their work style. Yeah, nothing so, to do with crazy green and orange outfits. No. I mean, that probably didn't help. Yeah, probably didn't help. But this is an interesting twist. Can Tully manage them and Sean Spears? Is this going to be like a, a faction sort of thing? Is he going to be like a Bobby Heenan where he's got his you know the Heenan family kind of thing? It, can that work, or is this a way of of transitioning him away from Sean Spears? Mm, I don't know. That's a good question. I was, see, yeah. I was thinking Sean Spears was coming in to join and that Tully was going to start this huge faction, much like Arn is sort of the coach of the Nightmare family. Right. Tully was going to be a foil uh, on the opposite side with FTR. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, don't we have will any, see. I don't have any kind of imp- uh, implications as of yet, but. Yeah, no, it's hard to tell right now. It's just definitely makes it makes my mind spin. Mm-hmm. We had uh, we had Hangman Page accost them backstage and say, "Dude, what was up last week? Beating up the Rock, Rock and Roll Express? That wasn't cool." <laughs> and they said, "Hey, man, have a beer and chill out. We're just here trying to take the heat off of you and Kenny Omega because next week there's this gauntlet match, man, and the first round is going to be the Bucks versus the Nightmare Family, and then whoever wins that faces best friends, and then whoever faces wins that." faces us so we're here trying to keep those jealous young bucks from facing you again and we're gonna keep the nightmare family from facing you and best friends i mean who would you rather face them or us we're your bros and hangman was like oh yeah huh yeah bro yeah bro good call i'm gonna have some more whiskey (laughs) so that sounds like a hell of a gauntlet match next week but nick i gotta say that puts ftr in line for the tag team championships that the 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 idea was the gauntlet match was set up along rankings right the young bucks are fourth ranked nightmare family second best friends uh sorry nightmare family is third best friend second and ftr is the first top rated tag team which i like again using the rankings for storyline great now we know why it's set up that way i typically hate gauntlet matches because it seems arbitrarily built to to put one person over here it makes sense why they're going in the order that they are. They've had to expend some time and effort booking it in that way to set them up in that way, which I appreciate. I appreciate time and effort being put into booking, and here we are. That's an exciting gauntlet match, and it makes logical sense. I like a good gauntlet match. I trust these guys to make it a good gauntlet match. Well, they just did. They booked a good gauntlet match, yep. and I suspect that the actual match itself will be great. We, yep. we might come down to Young Bucks versus FTR in the finals. Mm. That drama there, mm. and then FTR goes on to face for the tag team titles, and the drama that we have there. Mm. Story, story, story set up. I'm in. Uh, yeah. Also, a story that was set up a few weeks ago: Darby Allen ollied his thumbtack skateboard off of the back of Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks did not appreciate that, <laughs> as you wouldn't, and, as you wouldn't. So after Darby Allen managed to take a win over Will Hobbs, who's pretty awesome, by the way. If you've seen him on Dark, Will Hobbs is. Mwah. I'm looking forward to him getting some more opportunities. But Darby Allen beat Will Hobbs just by just sheer force of will and raw Taz jumps up at commentary and says, Hey Darby, I got someone you need to meet someone. I know someone else named Darby and out comes Ricky Starks dressed as Darby Allen with the face paint and does 
a damn spot on impression of Darby Allen as far as I'm concerned. He's got emo written on his neck and he goes, I'm Darby Allen. I never dream because my waking life is a nightmare. And he does this, he has this whole like, oh, I'm so emo yeah. uh, impression of Darby, which just cracked me the hell up. The world's ending. <laughs> I'm going to go ride my half pipe in my garage. And Darby kind of half laughed at this before Brian Cage comes up from behind him and hits him upside the head with the FTR championship. And the two of them beat down Darby Allen. FD, FTW starts, championship, not the FTR FDW, championship. FDR, right. <laughs> Good point. F, F the something, right? Yeah. Everyone's effing the something. Wait a minute. That sounds wrong. You Whoa. know what I'm saying? Hey. Uh, but here, then Ricky Starks gets, gets in the ring. Gets a water bottle, wipes off his face paint, starts splashing Darby with it, says, you know, you're all Ollie off my back. You're going to get what's coming to you. So building, it seems, towards Ricky Starks and, Dar and Darby Allen, which is a much better feud than Darby and Cage, which is just ridiculous looking. Oh, yeah. Um, I still want to see it, but, yeah, but it's but, ridiculous. Cage is another monster they brought in, defanged, and now he's just kind of there looking swollen. Yep. Also, can you we know. have Taz calling people schmucks more often, please? <laughs> that man five, finds five syllables in the word schmuck. It's pretty amazing. How about it's schmuck. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Uh, but the problem is, is that I don't know who should win that fuse. Darby needs a win. Ricky needs a win. Darby will probably get it. Put Darby yeah. in that one. I, I, would, I would imagine so, yep. the way it's going so far. We had a big cluster match, Lucha Brothers and Butcher and Blade versus the Jurassic Express and the Natural Nightmares. This was a fun match, lots of chaos, as you would imagine. But the real story here is there wasn't really good communication between Butcher and Blade and the Lucha Brothers. Uh, started off on dark, them just not liking each other too much. And in this match, there's a bit of a miscommunication about who's doing what. Pentagon went for a package pile driver finisher. Blade got up on the ropes to try and help him. Pentagon's like, what are you doing? I got this. Yeah. Blade's like, what are you doing? They get into a shoving match. Uh, Blade gets, ends up getting rolled up, pinned, one, two, three, matches over, and then we just it just breaks apart. Lucha Brothers and Butcher and Blade in each other's faces. They're not happy. And who should come out to settle this but Eddie Kingston? The what? hell's he doing out here? What are you I mean, Eddie Edwards. Eddie Kingston? Eddie Edwards? Eddie Kingston. You know what I mean. Eddie Kingston. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eddie Edwards in my notes for some reason. Eddie, Eddie Kingston, Kingston comes. <laughs> I watch too much wrestling. Eddie Kingston comes out to, to say, hey, man, look, dude, you are the baddest ass luchador in the world. You are also the baddest ass luchador in the world. Butcher and Blade, you're big. You're scary. Why are we all fighting, guys? If we can all work together, we could you could guys could win all the tag team championships. Come in here. Come in here. Give me some love. Give me something. Get some all hugging each other. And the best part of the whole thing, as he gets this new faction going, is looking over the camera as they all hug and giving a big old ah! wink. <laughs> big old <laughs> big old Tony the Tiger wink right at the camera. Uh, so, all right. Maybe this we, we can't get packed because he's stuck in England. So no death triangle. So Lucha I was going to say, Butcher this felt Blade. like, are we leading up to something long-term with Eddie Kingston versus Pack? Because I'm all over that. May, if that's what it is, Eddie Kingston ends up siding with Butcher and Blade in the breakup of this whole angle, and then you have Eddie and Butcher and Blade versus Pac and, and Lucha Brothers. Oh. Uh, yeah. There go my nipples. Uh, put it in my owls. <laughs> um, that's, I'm down with that. I, I, if Eddie Kingston creates his own little faction of badasses, I'm down with that. I'm down with anything here. I, this was awesome. This was, this was a very intriguing idea. Uh, and also, Eddie possibly having some ulterior motives with that wink 
just one damn wink from this guy, and he it spun my brain out into a whole bunch of different possibilities. Yep. So t- more great stuff there. Brilliant. That was very exciting. I'm so glad they they picked him up. Jesus Christ, melts the stick. He's yep. he's just unbelievable. Hmm. Uh, we had can, a little. Can I bit also of, just give a nod because we yeah. haven't we ha- it's not like we never uh, talk about him or go nuts about him, but God damn Ray Phoenix, just in this just it just every match he's in. That guy uh, just defies death. I, I don't know where he gets it from. I don't know where it was in his genome sequence that he could has the ability to do the things that he does without a care in the world. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little numb to it after watching Lucha Underground, but even after watching all of the Lucha Underground stuff that he did and all of the stuff that he's done uh, alongside Pentagon... Still, it, I it's still get surprised like and, it, <gasps> when he when he yeah, does I feel something like in crazy. Lucha Underground. He would do stuff with more intention, whereas here he's almost like doing it casually. It's almost like automatic. And he's on maybe it's uh, autopilot in a way. He's like done it so much now that it's just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna go defy gravity. <sighs> you know, I'm in, I'm in a I'm in a three way faction with the guy that gravity forgot, but like gravity never even knew me. <laughs> Kyle with so, 100 bits threw it in says Kyle you, booking Kingston and Lucha Brothers going after and recruiting his old mates from the inner circle AEW's LAX boom I the first time they, they when they said they they signed Eddie Kingston the first thing I thought was oh damn do we reform Eddie Kingston LAX because <laughs> if so you have my attention mm-hmm. but then who else is going to be an inner circle are they going to break up inner circle mm. Well, if Jericho keeps doing his own thing, we need to find something for Hager. So. But they brought out everybody this week. Yeah. Uh, Hager came out in his tidy whiteies. Santana and Ortiz <laughs> were there pouring champagne on Orange Cassidy. Like, they were still all there. Sammy Guevara was there, too. He also had some business with Matt Hardy. He yep. was doing his little his little Bob Dylan thing with the cue cards and the, uh, uh, bet- you know, the picture-in-picture. Right. But his cue cards all of a sudden started to look like they were being made by Matt Hardy. Where he said, I hate Sammy Guevara and I'm going to kill him. And Sammy looks t- like, what? What? People are cheering, like yelling at him, look at his cue cards. He looks down at his cue cards. Well, I didn't write that. Out comes Matt Hardy to attack him. Boom. And then they get into all kinds of a scuffle. Matt Hardy puts poor Sammy through a table, wants to kill him. The refs have to tell him to stop. And Sammy is, is rushed away before Matt can actually literally kill him. We've now uh, been informed they will have a tables match this coming Thursday. So that continues to move on. I really don't have much else to say besides that. I'm, I'm still kind of in the middle on this feud. It's just kind of there. Yeah, it is kind of just it ex- there. It exists. It's, it's a little bloody, so I, it's got it's peaked up an well, eyebrow, but... Not, not intentionally. No, but I mean, it's now we're going to have a tables match to get, get that one back. So what's he going to end up doing to Sammy? That's... I'm, I, Curious. I'm, I wonder yeah. if Sammy's going to have to get a receipt. He's going to have to, to, to gig just to get a receipt, but Maybe. we'll see. Uh, we also know that next week we're having a contract signing between John Moxley and MJF for their upcoming match at All Out. This week we had a couple of promos. Moxley, uh, pretty straightforward promo saying, man, MJF, you talk a lot for a tough guy. See where I come from, tough guys don't really talk so much. The guys who talk a lot have something to hide. So we're going to have a match, and when I'm beating the crap out of you, we're going to find out who you really are and what you have to hide. Straightforward, simple, pure, good promo. And then we've got MJF surrounded by his posse, Wardlow, the smiling chick, and his lawyer, among others. Uh, MJF tells a story about how, uh, you know, (laughs) 
about how he was doing so well. He looked forward to having a picket fence and a nice life and a little kid. But Poppy, Poppy, why can't you play with me? It's because of my neck. He was wearing a neck brace, just like we thought, Nick. We took that paradigm shift last week, couldn't move his neck, and here he is with the old the old favorite, the neck brace. It happened. He has gone to his legal counsel yep. and had the paradigm shift deemed too dangerous. Therefore, if John Moxley uses the paradigm shift, he will be filing suit against both John and AEW. Yep. So effectively, now the paradigm shift is going to be banned throw, from the match. Can, can, can I throw this out there? It's a no finishers match, or it's a it's no finishers for one person. Sure. Can I throw this out there? Sure. That lawyer out promoted MJF and John Moxley this week. <laughs> Who doesn't he, love a good shitty heel in a in a neck brace with a walker? Uh, this this is one of, this is one of the lawyer. best things I, I think I've ever seen. It was I, the, amazing. That lawyer was spitting hot fire. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with my company. We've never lost a case, and I, we don't intend on starting anytime soon. So if you want to step up to me, John Moxley, step up to me because I'll sue your ass into next week. I'll sue you so bad you won't have a a hanger to put your underwear on. He was going off on him. Oh I was just in there going, "Damn, who's this? Who's this lawyer cat? He's brilliant. Yeah, he is." That was good stuff. Sign that man. Man. (laughs) They did, apparently. So so he's going to be around. Great stuff. Makes me look forward to uh, all of the verbal sparring we'll see at the contract signing next week. Uh, It's going to be interesting because, you know, they've built Moxley up to be such a a beast and a badass. The only way uh, the MJF would possibly have a chance against him is to defang him a little bit. Well, that's what he's trying to do. Smart booking, good stuff, good storytelling, and great promo work here. So. Fantastic. All around. Nice twists. But yeah, overall, Nick, I got to say, a very entertaining episode of AEW. As you'd expect, they were trying to keep things very watchable. They were having to move to Saturday because of the NBA Finals. They also got preempted by about a half an hour, 45 minutes on their actual showtime on the night. So they were in a bit of a pickle. And they were, I mean, luckily that actually pushed them back further away from TakeOver so people could switch over to them. Um, But uh, it was a tough spot for them to be in. So they had to make a good show. I think they delivered. It was a pretty solid show from top to bottom. Well, this is one of my favorite episodes that I've, oh, that wow, I've really? Dynamite that I, yeah, top to bottom. Absolutely brilliant. I absolutely I love that, loved really, this episode. It so, was it was good. but solid B. But that I mean the main event was outstanding and a great go home moment. After the thing I watched last night that we're getting ready to talk about, this was an A plus plus plus. The thing you that we watched last night. Nick, could you possibly be talking about Monday Night Raw? Well, indeed I was, Sir Ian Dangerous. Oh, how did I know? Uh, And before we talk about anything specific, uh, today on the BWO Daily episode, we talked about how uh, Thunderdome was getting trolled by people showing up on the Zoom meeting, the the giant Zoom meeting. uh, Illicit illicit images being shown. There's a lot of that going around. The fan noise that's being piped in incorrectly in the wrong spot is is being done incorrectly it and has been I, has been proven that is 2k18 that is the actual crowd noise from the 2k18 game no yep. shit they found the even like samples that were in the game wow. that they, that pop up. Yep. <laughs> okay the point i was that's, getting that's to <laughs> uh this at coming off of SummerSlam. Heading into, for some reason, another pay-per-view a week later called Payback. And it seems like a Monday Night Raw would basically write itself. But no, no. 
No, no, that's not what we we, we do in in McMahon land. Let's 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 take that back a second, Nick. You would assume if you had your second biggest pay-per-view of the year and for some reason you were putting a second pay-per-view the week afterwards, there would be a reason that you were putting that afterwards and that as a result you would have plans beyond your main event scene and we'll probably talk about that a lot more on SmackDown. But there would be reasons that you would have and you would say, "Okay, we need to make sure that we hit these plot points between then and now, and you'd have a pretty good idea what you wanted to do. Yeah. And yet, once again, we ripped up the script half an hour before the show, still writing that we did not have a finished script until an hour into Raw. And I know that happens all the time, all the time, but this is one instance where I go, how? This is the Raw after not? SummerSlam, for God's sake. Imagine if you had the Raw after WrestleMania treat. I, I can't fathom. The Raw after Backlash, who gives a shit? The Raw after yeah. SummerSlam, you you and with a paper you come to, you're doing another go home show. I don't care how many Zoom meeting LEDs you throw into the place, how many lasers you fill my screen with, how much pyro and sparks and lights and nonsense you have. The script is you can put you can put on a stage in a black box and have absolutely nothing. But if the script is good. And your actors, even if it's just a, a, a physical, a, a, you know, no words, just physical, just physicality. And if there's, you can have no dressing around you and engage an audience. But if you don't engage the audience with a story, they're out. Um, now, they did have much better ratings this week. It was a big uptick. It's actually all the time. They have that post-SummerSlam bump on the Monday Night Raw afterwards. It's always the case. They did have an increase in ratings. But I have to say, across the board on this Raw, there was a lot of questionable creative decisions. Um, Nick, you and I both, we try to stay positive about WWE when we can. We question when they do make errors in judgment or creative decisions that we, we, we don't understand. This is, a, this is a show I actually have a hard time looking at and not finding fault with nearly every single segment. Yeah. Where they did stuff where I go, why would you do this? In storyline, how does this help build your storyline? Let's actually go through bit by bit and and try to parse through this show and find the good and find the bad um, and just talk about it all. Okay, that's that's what we do on yep. this show. Yeah. So Drew McIntyre came out at the top of the show looking like six foot five of pure raw sweaty man. Uh, in a beautiful shirt, came out of the top of the show. Man, those buttons were putting in work holding that shirt onto Drew. Good <laughs> Lord. That's the hardest work I've seen anybody do in WWE in a long time, keeping yeah. that shirt on Drew McIntyre. Jesus, that, that shirt would probably wouldn't fit Seth Rollins, and he somehow squoze himself into it. Prize steers <laughs> on the ranch don't wear button-up <laughs> shirts, Nick. <laughs> That's why. Uh, so Drew comes out, all the lights on him, looks great. It's just so nice. To, even, man, it's not a real audience. It's just the, the little Zoom heads. But damn, it's awesome to see him get a real entrance. And real and, pyro. And, he, he, and turn around and pyro. be like, everybody give me a thumbs up. And everyone gives him a thumbs up. And just a little bit of fan interactivity was just like, oh, oh, it was such a relief. It was so nice to see. Uh, and he said, yeah, that's right. Last night, I, I, Randy Orton... That said he was all these things, but you know what, Randy? Didn't you have the greatest wrestling match earlier this year and I beat you with like a basic wrestling move? Where are you now, Randy? What you got to say now? That's what I thought. Uh, if you want some more of me, Randy, I'm ready whenever you are. Uh, you'll 
you little punk. <laughs> Drew McIntyre stands tall and confidently walks up the ramp. Oh, and he gets taken from behind by Randy Orton, who slams his head into the uh, LEDs, takes him back to Gorilla, where there's still nobody. Man, no one's running Gorilla these days. Yeah. Braun and The Fiend go back there. There's nobody. Drew and, and, and Randy go back there. There's nobody. And Randy mashes Drew's head into the wall, right in the same place where Braun has, had his mashed not 24 hours before. Right. And then proceeded to kick Drew in the head. Twice. He punt kicked him, not once, which is enough to end careers on anybody else. He kicked him in the head twice, Nick. Twice. And Drew got up and walked away. No, wobbly, but he walked away. They pulled Randy off him, and Drew was able to stumble to the back showing what an absolute monster he is and how strong they're booking him. Uh, Randy came out later to explain his actions, and he said, you know, yeah, I'm a bad guy. Bite me, essentially. It's Randy. It was a Randy. You guys wanted the legend killer? You got, you got it. the legend you got killer. It. You got it. And then, Nick, Randy Orton was interrupted by that mm, most melodious of sounds. Bask in his glory. Only we heard Bask in His Glory and the music. And then right before that beautiful drop, when the rest of the theme music hits, we get we get some sort of generic some entrance music that was not Keith Lee's entrance music. It was Keith Lee's stinger, but it was not his entrance music. It was some sort of generic something they had turned a little bit down so we would maybe not notice as much. And he came out to that in an outfit that I can only describe as his old jacket and some culottes. They gave him the same like kind of flowy, let-out basketball shorts they gave Samoa Joe at one point. Right. Uh, and he came down to the ring. Or something, and like a sleeveless yeah, hoodie or something. Yeah, he's worn that before. That's, that he's had before. But he comes down there clean-shaven, shaved off his beard, came down to the ring and got in Randy Orton's face. Now, before we talk about Keith facing off with Randy Orton, let's talk about the lack of... His theme song, which the the internet exploded. Twitter just w- lit up like a nuclear bomb when he came out without what arguably is one of the most banging themes in NXT. What did you think when Keith Lee's music hit and then didn't hit? I uh, first of all, when it hit, I, I went like, oh, oh, the oh. Oh, oh, this is an opportune time to bring out the, the Limitless One. Oh, oh, my. Oh, wait, that's not his music. I went from a high, the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, to be specific. <laughs> to where I, I went through, like, the whole spectrum. I went through, like, confusion, disappointment, mm-hmm. wait, no, anger, rage, flipping coffee tables, mad. Throwing laptops? I threw my laptop. I just closed my laptop on Discord and I no, threw really? it over in the chair and I got up and walked out. Yep, I was done. Because the, it wasn't even like it was some cool code orange kind of or CFO's riff. of It sounded like some video, something out of 2K20. Yeah. So generic wrestler generic. A's entrance music. Yeah. Yeah. It was not good. It doesn't fit him. It, it, it was pretty bad. That being said, I'm here to be somewhat of the voice of reason. Somewhat. Um, and that is that CFOs or CFO dollar sign or CFO, I don't care. It's CFOs. a stupid name. 
it's it's written CFO dollar sign, so that's what I'm freaking calling them. Okay. If you don't want to be called that, don't use dollar sign at the right. end, and don't get fired by WWE. Right. And that's the issue. They're now they're no longer working with WWE, and WWE is trying to transition away from theme songs that they wrote, especially when they're on the main roster, where, as I understand it, they get more money if it's shown on the main roster. Uh, so that is why they have changed Keith Lee's entrance music, as I understand it. Uh, I... I, per, I refuse to believe that it was a creative decision that someone made in the back because they thought that his theme song in NXT did not fit him or did not bang. Because if that is the case, okay, then get, boomer. Them, get them pitchforks. Get them pitchforks because it, if it's a business decision, I'll allow it. If it's I'm, not, if that was a pure creative decision, somebody burned down whoever's, whoever's house made that decision. Listen, I like rap and hip hop. I'm not the biggest trap music fan, but that is a banging ass beat. That is, like, oh, even even I get crushes. going right when when that thing, when that comes on. Good lord! Uh, real quick, Kyle with a hundred bits threw in. Thank yes. you, sir. Said the Kyle, most frustrating you. thing about this raw more than anything is that WWE actually laid out story threads ahead of this to deal with the short pay per view turnaround for payback, and Vince tears it all up. Like Poor how does up. Vince show up an hour before air, tear it up, and think that's okay? And there were story threads that did seem like they were consistent, like, okay, this was A, B, C. Like, they did exist on this show. They were there. And then some of them, they weren't there. And some of them, it, it felt like they had those story threads. And then it was just, they had to hang something from them. And they just didn't know what to hang on it. So they were just like, ah, we'll just, we'll do this instead. They were just scrambling for things to connect the dots. I'm and it's curious just, how much of, Instead like, of drawing a straight line, they kind of went all over the place, you know? Like, before social media and before Meltzer was Meltzer, like, did, how, did we know how much Vince tore stuff up in the 90s and the early 2000s? Like, was this... Or did we just not care? Why, well, so why is this such it a big deal no. now? We, there were reports coming from backstage uh, in, in the day, but you had to subscribe to the Wrestling Observer or sure. the PW Torch or Insider or whatever. You know, you, there were ways to, but obviously, no, without the internet, there was nowhere, or, or shows like ours, it was nowhere nearly as ubiquitous. But also, kayfabe was still being kept a lot more. Yeah, that's true. So in a lot of, I mean, it's, it's from top to bottom. But here's the thing. It's not like movies get made without you hearing about what's going on on the set or backstage or writers getting fired or Zack Snyder not getting final cut on, on his Batman movie, a Superman movie. Right, like that gets out there. The process gets out there when you understand that it's an entertainment property, and that's part of what you ultimately see. The creation of the piece of art is part of the art sometimes. And I would argue that you know knowing how the artist creates the art helps you have an appreciation for the final product. You know, knowing the specific kinds of paints that Van Gogh used makes me appreciate more what his final product was. Sure. So when I know. How they're who's who's in the creative committee, who is uh, who's making what decisions, who's tearing up scripts, uh, how long do the wrestlers have to memorize their lines, who's not on a script, who's just going off the seat of their pants, uh, that all makes me appreciate performers, writers, creative, the whole product that much more. Yeah, right, I agree. So, so the effort in involved sense, in produ in producing a three hour show every week i, I right. it makes me respect that even more sure right and i don't want to get bogged down on on the nuts and bolts of raw because we have a ton of stuff to get through on this raw and it's, it's gonna be really easy to sit down there and critique the overall uh the greater picture when we really need to talk about the nuts and bolts and part of the nuts and bolts was keith lee coming out with a new entrance theme coming to the ring and facing off with randy orton and saying what's up randy in his very keith lee way greetings 
and salutations, Randy, uh, essentially saying to him, you beat up my friend, Drew McIntyre, which is, as an aside, is funny that he and Drew McIntyre are friends in the Raw kayfabe, even though the only times they've interacted were Keith Lee powerbombed Drew out of Evolve. Then when Drew came back to NXT after his injury and beat up Dominic Dijakovic, Keith powerbombed him again, as I recall. And then they had a little like champion versus champion exhibition match this last weekend on Saturday. That's it. But apparently they're buddies. Yeah. Cool. I'll run with the storyline. They're buddies. He didn't like that Randy Orton kicked him in the head twice, as you would imagine. Yeah. So he said, tell you what, Randy, if you're so looking for a fight, I'll fight you and I'll let you bask in my glory because I'm Keith goddamn Lee. Came out, called a shot. And then later, they had, we, we had it. Randy Orton said, cool, yeah, absolutely. Just not right now. <laughs> Rolls out of the ring. Later on in the show, we had the match. Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. And it was all of five minutes. But in that five minutes, Keith Lee got 90% of the offense. He tossed Randy Orton around that ring. He bounced Randy Orton off his shoulder. At one point, he caught Randy Orton's fist, crushed it in his hand, and forced Randy to his knees. And ultimately ate a draping DDT and was getting set up for the RKO when Drew McIntyre came out and interfered with the match. He fought off Randy Orton. Keith Lee vanished. And we were left with Drew standing in the ring looking mad and kind of dazed and thousand yard starey. That shirt had given up on, on holding it together, too. At that oh, point. long ago. Uh, do you, I want to say but, something real quick. Okay. Uh, actually, let me. Kyle gave another 100 bits. Thank you, sir. Thank Said you, Kyle. Vince tore things up in the 90s, but scripts weren't near as lengthy or complicated. Yeah, sure. I, I agree. As, as, as you've said, Ian, so many times, yeah. what do you got for Rock? What do you got for Stone Cold? Figure everything else out as, you, as we go. Rock cuts a promo that he's going to face Stone Cold this weekend. Val Venus is going to come out and talk about how he's going to beat Edge. Sure, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's dear, a little simpler. Dear 2017 Nick. <laughs> You see uh -oh. that? You see that guy? Uh, I know. It, I know it's really hot in in the American Legion here in Reseda. But you see that guy? He's he's got like mailbox letters on his on his trunks. Like, and he, now we we now know that he was like sleeping in his car and things like that. Just barely. Well, he in a year he's going to be PWG champion, and and in three more years, he's going to be on Monday Night Raw fighting Randy Orton. And not only on Monday Night Raw fighting Randy Orton, Nick, because later on the show, Randy found Drew backstage again and punted him again, which sent Drew off in the to the hospital in an ambulance, at which point Keith Lee stepped up the interview and said, you know what, if Drew can't face Randy this Sunday, I will. And it's official. Keith Lee's facing freaking Randy Orton this coming Sunday at Payback, and Keith is going to get Payback for Drew McIntyre. Your Ooh. boy that you're talking about, our boy Keith Lee... Ooh. Facing Randy Orton this coming Sunday in his inaugural pay-per-view match on the main roster. So people were saying it was BS that Keith debuted, was forced to wear like a, like a what do we call it, like Spanx? Uh, like a cut-off Spanx. And it's it like, looked like he had a ballerina outfit on. You know? um, yeah, it was an odd, it was some odd gear. Yeah. New entrance theme, and they were saying, oh, it was only a five-minute match. Randy ended up looking like he was going to RKO him, and Drew interfered in his match. I'm sitting over here going, yes to all those things, but Keith Lee got to come out, and the first thing he did was call a shot against Randy Orton and then manhandle him for 90% of that five-minute match and then get a match against him at a pay-per-view. That's probably going to be near the top of the card. Two, 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 days, can't, two days after he was NXT champion for about a month? Yeah, You can't tell me 
this company doesn't see things in Keith Lee. That is actually a fantastic debut. It is. All things considered. Now, are they tinkering with him right now? Yes. Does that scare the absolute crap out of me, knowing how they've tinkered with other NXT call-ups that don't need tinkering with because NXT is supposed to be about development and developing a character? Yes. Are there other NXT call-ups they tinkered with on this show that make me want to just scream? Yes. But Keith Lee got a great damn debut. Yep. All things considered. Yep. So I will, I, will, I will say that. If some of the things frustrated me, some of the things made me worried, that was a damn good debut. Didn't take an L. Didn't need an R- a finisher or an RKO. Uh, you know, involved in the top of the card main Looked event good. picture right out of the gate. Looked confident. Yep. They, gave, they, they gave him some swagger. Mm. Yeah. Gave him, gave him a good position against Randy Orton, who, mm. by the way, is one of the top heels in the company right now. He's white hot. That's a great position for Keith Lee to be in. Yeah. Let's just hope. Let's just let's just hope. <laughs> Kyle threw another hundred bits in. Said all the anxiety Damn, in the Kyle. world for payback. It's like watching your child on the first day at school and judging by social NXT talent are watching how Keith is handled. And if they break him, they may give up on main roster working for them. I don't know if they have a choice. That's a bit extreme. I don't think they have that. I don't know if they have that choice. Yeah, I, I think you've got to. But speaking of main roster talents who used to be in NXT who are being used in absolutely bizarre ways. Shayna Baszler got a shot at Bailey. First, she had a little bit of a uh, uh, interaction. I'll let's say with Nia Jax backstage. Uh, what are you doing here, Nia? Oh well, I apologize to Pat Buck, so he let me come back. Throw in a little blowjob joke there, and ha ha ha, <laughs> PG era. And uh, then turns around to Shayna Baszler and says, oh, look, look who's back. Haystack's Calhoun. And Nia goes, ha, 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 you look like someone from the Adams Family. Oh, tee, hee, hee, isn't this writing great? And then uh, they, they part ways, and Shayna goes and has a match with Bailey, which Nia comes out to watch. So you knew it was a matter of time before she got involved. She did ultimately, in a really awkward way, where it just seemed like the timing was off. The timing was off in this match. The timing was off with the run-in interference. Obviously, no one seemed like they knew what they were doing. But the interesting part was at the end of this, Nia and Shane are brawling in the ring. Bailey and Sasha are laughing because uh, Bailey escaped with her title. But then Nia and Shane stop and go, "What are we doing?" And they kind of look up the ramp and see Bailey and Sasha, and they go, "Let's get them." And they chase them off into the backstage area. And then we have Nia and Shane backstage going, "I don't like you. I don't like you. But you know what? If we go after the tag team belts, we can take it to them." And Shane gives Nia a nice big slap at the end of this. And we have a new tag team, Nick. And it was confirmed, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, for the women's tag team titles on Sunday. Um, talk me off the ledge here, Nick, but what in I the can't. sweet hell is going on here? Absolutely. What is going on? have nothing positive to say. You have the two-year reign of Shayna Baszler. And you have her come up and bite Becky Lynch in the neck, have maybe one decent match with her. And now, after some kind of a hiatus, has a match with Bailey, but is now going to be a tag in a tag team with Nia Jax. I, I have, I have no words. I, I have absolutely no. I'm not even the biggest fan of Shayna Baszler, and I'm mad for her. Well, it, it seems like they don't know what to do with her, and it's. I mean, doesn't even seem like. I, I think it's fairly clear. They don't know what to do with her. And in, as a result, I don't know if she knows, to, knows what to do with herself. She's sitting here going, what do you guys want me to play? 
am I a badass who can break you in, uh, apart? Am I just going to go out there and wrestle a normal match like she's doing against Bailey? Am I a, a badass? Am I cracking jokes? What do you want from me? She's looking for guidance, and they're not giving her any. No, and oh, how well, can she? Nia's back. Why don't you just go do a tag team with her? You're you're feuding with Nia. You two hate each other. You want to kill each other on sight. Never mind. You're a tag team because all of a sudden Bailey and Sasha laughed at you, huh? And keep in mind, we'll talk about this later. We also have other women who are in real tag teams here, Nick. I would assume that your distaste for two singles wrestlers being put together in a tag team extends also to the women's division and not just the men's. Am I correct on that? Yes, but not like that matters anymore. No. Uh, speaking of Sasha and Bailey, though, Asuka had to have a rematch with Sasha. Remember when they promised us no more rematches after pay-per-views? Yep. Well, they lied. Asuka versus Sasha in a Lumberjack or Lumberjill match? I don't know. I don't really care because it was a Lumberjack match where the Lumberjacks didn't matter because whenever one of them got tossed outside the ring, the only person who really got into it with them was Bailey because she was somehow also a Lumberjack and was the only one who was doing anything. Everyone else just kind of standing there ringside. The exception to this, of course, at the end of the match, where Shayna Baszler, who was also one of the Lumberjacks, kept Bailey from getting into the ring with a steel chair, which allowed Asuka to tap out Sasha again. So the story coming into this was, quote, Bailey didn't help Sasha on Sunday retain her title when Sasha helped Bailey. Of course, anyone who watched those matches on Sunday saw that Sasha distracted Asuka from Bailey at the beginning by just getting on the apron a bunch. Bailey tried to do the exact same thing, but instead of allowing Asuka to hit her in the first time, moved out of the way, which allowed Asuka to hit her again, and she fell off. Pretty much the same thing that Sasha did. Asuka then just went over to Sasha and tapped her out, and Bailey was busy being knocked out on the outside, not unwilling or unable to help Sasha, just incapable. So the story we're being told is Bailey chose not to help Sasha. They're not questioning each other they're straight up saying that and here in this match once again bailey unable to help sasha and sasha's getting mad at her if we're trying to have them break up and legit sasha's legitimately saying bailey why aren't you helping me that's not the story we're being told the story we're being told is people are finally starting to catch on we've got to interfere with one of the two of them otherwise they're going to help each other out in their matches their people are wising up to them but yet somehow we're being sold a story where Sasha's getting mad at Bailey, quote, not helping her. So, again, and this is the issue with scripts being torn up, is you, you miss the point on your own feuds. So here we are. Sasha does not get the title back. Oscar retains the title. Uh, Shayna interferes, I guess, you know, giving more grist to the mill for that tag match we're coming up on, I guess. But, again, messy, 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 messy. You've got the Iconics. You've got a reformed Riot Squad now. You've got uh, some ladies that are up and coming down in the NXT. We've got the draft coming up. Why in the world would you sacrifice Asuka defending against Shayna Baszler, the two biggest women's NXT reigns of all time, how does this story not write itself where you just pit them against each other? They don't believe in Shayna Baszler, and, oh. and they don't know what to do with her. And it's I know, Nick, and that Doesn't was what that I was Doesn't that sound exactly too. like Asuka when they first brought her up? You literally had Shayna say on Sunday night, I've got next when it comes to the Raw Women's Championship. Yep. I've got next. And here we are. And you thought Nia Jax was going to interfere in that, and then all of a sudden, whoop, 
total turnaround, Shayna and Nia for the tag team titles. Guys, I'm sorry we're so down tonight. This this was tough to watch, and and I know a lot of you felt it too. I saw the conversations throughout uh, the wrestling universe today. Last night was tough, and this was tough for us too because Ian and I want to be positive about all of this stuff, but they make it very. I want very to be hard. told a good story, yes. and it's not a good story when you lead up on something for an entire chapter, and then at the end you do things that have nothing to do with anything that came before and completely betray everything that you have told us about the character final season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. So let's move on to some other stuff. Well, let, me, let me get business. one more in real quick. Kyle, throw yeah, yeah, another, yeah. another 100 bets in. Thank you, sir. Kyle going crazy today. Oh, he said story threads laid out for Asuka and Shayna. Cool new team of Rhea and Shotzi. Riot Squad could even do a random team of Bianca and Asuka. But yes, that is let's, random. let's throw two people together who have no built-up relationship other than Nia trolling Shayna. They Just do have a relationship. Why? They hate each other. And and you turn that around at night? Is is Shayna the kind of person as well? Because uh, I thought she was more of a badass where you just smack somebody and quickly What did exit. I just say, Nick? What did I just say? They don't know, they don't know what they're doing with Shayna. Shayna doesn't know what she's supposed to do. How are you supposed to say that you have a perception of what Shayna's supposed to be when they don't even know because they keep changing it? That's fair. That's fair. Thank you, Kyle. So the Hurt Business. They had a rough night. <laughs> they had a rough night on this show. We had an arm wrestling contest between Apollo and Bobby Lashley. And I'm not going to lie, Nick, when I heard I about know. this. Let's have a spelling contest. <laughs> <laughs> I got something something around the eyes. Kind of reminds me of me. <laughs> That's it. I hate him. When I, we started when on that I movie, saw we'll be Mark here. Henry with a freaking arm wrestling table, I went, uh, oh, it is Cedric. So, in the back, beating Ricochet. Ricochet can't even win an arm wrestling match. And then the back. That's where Ricochet's at. This is how that's, we're going to build a title falling. defense. This is how we're going to build the next title defense we're gonna for have the United States Championship. Contest. We're going to have an arm wrestling contest. Now, that being said, <laughs> when they announced when they announced this, I my heart sank. Same thing. I was like, you're going to build a U.S. title defense with an arm wrestling. Okay. Oh. All right. Someone page Triple H and Scott Steiner. But that being said, I liked what they did here. Because you had it set up in the ring, Mark Henry officiating, Bobby Lashley playing a little coy at the beginning, looking like he's going to go in and get set up. And now, no, i got to take off my jacket first. And as he goes back in to lock up with Apollo Crews, right as they're locking up, Apollo jams down on his foot, steps on his foot, and Bobby goes, ah! And Apollo, bam, beats him real quick and hops out of the way jumps out of the ring, grabs his belt, rest of the Hurt Business comes running out, Lashley's yelling at Mark Henry until Apollo makes an escape. Did a WWE babyface just do something smart to outwit a heel? Yup. Call the press. Yep. There's a unicorn in town, Nick, yep. and it's not from the New Day. This is the only thing I liked about this whole Unbelievable. thing. Unbelievable. Apollo, they, this is not the first time. Apollo's done this a few times where he's made smart decisions where he has done things that are wily, that are squirrely. He is a baby face that is outsmarting heels. And I will always applaud that in WWE because it is such a rare thing. Yep. And I loved it. I loved that we didn't even have an arm wrestling contest. It was a battle of the minds. And Apollo won. The face won. And there was repercussions to this. We also had a match. Uh, Cedric Alexander versus R-Truth versus Akira Tozawa versus Shelton. Benjamin for the 24-7 championship. This was a nothing match. Absolutely three minutes maybe. 
But Shelton did lose the title because Akira Tozawa ended up winning and escaping and skedaddling out of the ring really quickly while his ninjas were getting demolished by Shelton Benjamin on the outside. So Shelton loses his title. Apollo Crews uh, outsmarts Bobby Lashley. So what happens? MVP lost last night. The Hurt Business got mad. They went over to Raw Underground, and they went in and destroyed everybody. That Bobby Lashley murdered Dolph Ziggler. They murdered the Viking Raiders. Ivar and Dolph were supposed to have a match. They didn't have a match because the Hurt Business came in and killed them all. Well, Ivar they, was they busy. Were, they were killing, well, Ivar, you're right. We'll but talk about he's that. Still, <laughs> but he still was here along yeah. with Eric. Yeah. Hurt Business left Viking Raiders lying. They left a couple of jobbers and, and enhancement guys lying. And they tossed Dolph Ziggler out of the damn ring. I'm not going to lie. I don't I, I want to get your feelings on uh, on on who they beat up. But on paper, that's really good stuff. I do like Bobby Lashley walking up to the front door and be like, "I want to fight somebody. I'm I, yeah, I'm mad I'm as hell. Off. I'm here to kick the shit out of somebody." Okay, yeah. Let him in. I love and that. And he goes in there and he beats up everybody. Yeah. Tap outs and tosses people and Fantastic! Yeah, I, that part I dug, and I'm still not totally sold on Raw Underground. I still think it's it's they haven't quite nailed it yet. They did absolutely no advertising or promotion of it. We were all in chat and Discord last night, going, "Have they scrapped Raw Underground already?" <laughs> and that, and and the what we just mentioned was all there was on Raw Underground. Yeah. Like that was it. So it already seems like they're kind of maybe backing out of that idea, yeah. but maybe not. I don't know. They definitely. It was there as a plot device, not as anything more. There was nothing just within the Raw Underground universe side of things that mattered. It was part of the storyline of the Hurt Business on Monday night, which is fine. I liked it being used that way, but it was interesting that they didn't do anything else with Raw Underground. That was, that was curious. Uh, I was also curious that MVP got in Ricochet's face and Cedric's face saying, Cedric, it's not too late to join the Hurt Business. And Ricochet started mouthing off, and MVP said, I didn't say a goddamn thing to you. So him still going for Cedric is interesting, seeing as Cedric was one of the guys they beat up in Raw Underground, I should mention. Yeah. So, yeah, a little bit of interesting stuff here. I liked, I, Nick, I, 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 I don't know how you feel. I liked the arc of the Hurt Business on Monday Night Raw. I like, I like where they've come from and where they're at currently. I, I think the Cedric thing is a bit of a distraction. I'd love it's to weird. see them a I'm little bit more focused. I like MVP going around and recruiting people and trying to sell the hurt business to them. But yeah, I feel like we're past Cedric at this point. Like it's 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 dead. Cedric little. is almost like a, a a secondary or tertiary thing. We're yeah. heading towards Bobby Lashley versus Apollo Cruz this coming Sunday. The only build we had for it was the arm wrestling match and then Bobby Lashley killing people. So we've established Lashley is still a killer, but uh, Apollo might have his number from an intellectual standpoint. So it's not like a hot build for the match, but. They left it in an interesting place. Yeah. Okay. There, trust me, there was worse things on this raw. I, I want to continue to see MVP in three-piece suits. I don't. I, uh, after watching him on the kickoff show of all things on at SummerSlam, I, I'm kind of over him in the ring. I'm. I'm, I'm I've I'm been not, saying it yeah. the last few weeks. I, let I, him manage. Let him manage. He looks fantastic in his suits. He's a great talker. Shine up his uh his his what he's really good at. Don't yeah. hide what he's not. And he just he can't go anymore. Apollo struggled he's to fine. get him up on Sunday. He's fine. It's just he's not as exciting as Apollo, as Shelton Benjamin even is still more <sighs> exciting. 
uh, Bobby Lashley, or, or especially Cedric and Ricochet. Like He's the least exciting wrestler of all of these guys that are circling around the U.S. title. <laughs> so I agree. Keep him on the mic, where he is truly the most exciting out of any of them. Andy in the so. chat just said, does the Amway Center know that there's a Prohibition-era fight club being run in their <laughs> arena? <laughs> And no, and they don't need to because nobody talks about Raw. And why are the lights so bright in there? Come yeah, on, exactly. turn the lights down a little bit. Come exactly. on, production, make it look seedy. <laughs> Doesn't. Come on, man, we're not running a high school play here. Turn it down a little bit. Right. Or maybe we are. I don't know because we also had the final, uh, the the main event, Rey Mysterio and Dominic, a night after getting the crap beat out of them in a really emotional match, one of the sleeper matches of SummerSlam. Yeah. They have a tag team match against Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. What? Sure. What? Okay, sure. Fine. Why not? But in keeping with the tone of the rest of the show where we had, I think, maybe one, maybe two real finishes to any of the matches, uh, Ray and Dominic did not get to finish this match because out came Retribution. Broke this up, beat up Ray Ray and his son, and sent Seth and Murphy scampering up the ramp laughing. Uh, not they—they they were scared of retribution at first. They didn't look like they were in charge of retribution. They were just like, "Ha! They got them, not us. We made it." Right. And then retribution stands tall to close the show. And by tall, I mean tall. They added some big boys into their ranks. They took away some of the midgets they had running that first round of retribution, where they tore apart the ring and used the uh, used the chainsaw. No horn swoggles anymore. No, now we've got full-grown men's mm -hmm. and some women's mm -hmm. in retribution. And I swear to God, I I would. I would bet money. I would I would bet a pair of shoes that one of those two tall guys was Dominic Dijakovic. Wouldn't be surprised. I, I, am, I, am, I am in the 90s percentile. With Keith coming Certain. up, there's nothing for him to do. And frankly, it's a great foil for, for Keith once he get, well, now that they're both up on the main roster. I wonder if they'll keep their history. I, I truly do wonder. Please. I wonder. I, but I... Mm, how do you sell it? I, we don't know what Retribution's deal is. We don't know anything about the angle. This was just sort of a way to remind us that they existed to end the show. Um, do they have anything to do with, with Ray or Dominic? I doubt it. This just, to me, felt like, and Retribution just breaks up the match. That's how we end the show. Is Retribution standing tall. Hey, yeah. Retribution's still here. Yeah. So, um, Seth and Ray. I don't think it's been announced what, officially if we have a match on Sunday for that feud. I have to look that up. I don't but, think so. Or I haven't seen it. It's only Tuesday, so I, I'm not sure yet. Hell in a Cell is coming up. Rumor is it's September 27th where the Amway Center has WWE booked for a pay-per-view. Does that mean we could possibly see Seth and Ray in Hell in a Cell or Drew and Randy? Mm. Why Throwing not? that out there. Why Throwing not that out both? There. Why not both? They've done it before. They've done more than one Hell in a Cell match before. Yep. I, I think both of those feuds would be very worthy of Hell in a Cell. And I'd way rather see Seth and Ray in Hell in a Cell. I think it's the only way they can really escalate past tearing out each other's eyeballs. Right? I mean, we're, we're also assuming it's going to be Ray and not Dominic. You could have Dominic and Seth in Hell in a Cell. That'd be dope. I'd be down for uh, that. Yeah. Uh, to me, Dominic wrestling is still a gimmick. Mm. I'm not 100%. He was good. He was he fine. He signed a match. contract. He's a WWE superstar. Yeah, but so is Chelsea Green. And where is she? I mean, possibly retribution. I know, but you know what I'm still saying. Still not letting them use her pool. There's, but. there's, <laughs> there's people who sign WWE contracts. It doesn't mean a damn thing, right? So, yeah, I wait and see. Here's but this, one. This here's one I do need us to weigh in on. Well. Kyle threw another hundred bits in. Thank you, sir. 
There is Kyle's a rumored Keith Lee heel turn. Worried with Dijak involved, Keith may get tied into this. Uh, where are you hearing that rumor? I'm very curious to know because everything that I have heard so far, every source, every reporter uh, that I trust has said that they see big things as Keith Lee being one of the top baby faces on Monday Night Raw. Yep. He's going to be mega face of the company baby face. Yeah. he's like from now, maybe even sooner. As long as they don't keep juggling him. Like if they if they figure out what to do with him, which I think is just get him in there, make him a baby face, and keep him strong. He said PW Insider said that. PW Insider said a heel turn for for Keith Lee. I think that's just stirring a pot a little bit. There, there, there's no way. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check that. I have not heard yeah. that rumor yet, and I, I'm very curious to know because everything else I've read has said top baby face. Yeah. I can't. Um, I mean, that would be making Keith Lee a heel. Given all the other heels they already have running around in WWE, would be something ludicrous on the level of, I don't know, making Aleister Black a weird hermit who lives in a closet backstage and giving him a gimmick where he's only got one eye and wears a black suit instead of coming out of some sort of avenging black metal demon. It'd be something on that level of ludicrousness. Wow. This was uh, Keith coming out to face off against Randy was equivalent in my eyes to Kevin Owens coming out with the NXT Championship and challenge uh, answering John Cena's open challenge. Like, I would that's, say it's like that's how big of a deal this was to me. It's almost it's almost but not quite Matt Riddle beating AJ Styles. It's almost Cena coming out and saying ruthless aggression. Like it's a huge debut. It, it was a big deal yeah. to have him come out in that way in that style. But apparently, Nick, you missed my sarcasm I, because when I was talking about Alistair Black. Uh, sitting in the back in a closet, coming out, having one eye, and being a weirdo. Well, that's what we got. He came out on the KO show this week. Kevin Owens uh, found his closet in the back, popped it open, said, hey, making sure you're still coming out to my show. And Kevin Owens left and left the door a little bit open, and Aleister Black's hand reaches out and kind of sassily slams the door. Kevin Owens setting up for the Kevin Owens show. Out comes Aleister Black from the back, not raising up on uh, on his little coffin. Not coming out in his demon vest, coming out in his black suit and one eye. He had a black fabric thing of some sort wrapped around his eye because, of course, last time we saw him, Murphy was gouging at his eye on the steel steps. Lots of talk has been made about Rey Mysterio. Apparently, no one knew that he also had a globular subluxation (laughs) over here. Apparently, Aleister Black didn't tell anybody at the WWE, so out he came with his eye patch looking a little bit like a demonic version of Solid Snake or his... As Kevin Mowens put it, a mix between a, a demon, a pirate, and a werewolf. Yep. That's, uh, good. That's a good one. Sat down in the ring. Kevin Owens tried to interview him and said, Hey, man, how are you doing? Uh, everything okay? Ever since you got your eye poked out by Murphy? And Alistair Black goes, Well, let's just show it. Kevin Owens goes, Are you sure? He's, I've seen it enough times. Show it again. So, of course, we go to the Tron, see it again. And then afterwards, Kevin Owens starts to ask him questions. Alistair Black faints. He like kind of uh, falls over in front of his chair. And as Kevin Owens gets up to help him, he stands up, screams, and black masses Kevin Owens dead on the ground and then stalks away up the ramp. So we had heard a rumor that they were going to repackage Aleister Black. What is happening? I, I need you to take over for me right now, Nick, because this, this whole show, like I, I subtitled this Raw, look how they massacred my boy. Yeah. <laughs> Look what they did to my boy. Uh, on so many Look different levels. You monsters. You uh, monsters. Uh, Keith, uh, 
Alistair Black. If it does turn Shana. out, Shayna, Shayna, Oscar for a long time until this year. Just it's so much. It's so, and we had such high hopes for others like a Ruby Riot and Ember Moon, and like there's all of these others that. Uh, oh man, I called I, this. I, a, I called this a depth charge. The mystique of Black. It's another another depth charge. I don't know where they're going with this. I don't know how long they're going to keep him with one eye. If that's going to be his thing from now on, because if so, dude, the guy does flips and he does precision kicks. You're going to take away one of his eyes. And he comes <sighs> out in damn like bone armor in a vest to demonic guess, black yeah. metal. I, 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 <sighs> Another one they don't get. Another one they just don't get. Ah! I, I, uh, Alistair Black and Kevin Owens will have great matches. Yes, they will have great matches. Let's let's look at the bright side. They're gonna, if this is a feud starting up, they're going to have great matches. What in the hell they're doing the Aleister Black, I don't know. Uh, we were just getting out of pick a fight with me, Black Room, Aleister Black, horrific era there. We're just coming out of there. And now we're right back to what Vince's vision of it was. We were letting him be, uh, Paul was letting him be himself. And Vince is going right back to Vince's vision of what Aleister Black should be, which I cannot a bridge, life a bridge troll p- pirate or something. I, I can't wrap my hand around it. I, I got to move on or I'm, I'm going to rip this mic apart. Kyle threw 100 bits and give you a little break. Kyle threw 100 bits in and said, was that Alistair Black or Paul Burchill? I don't know who Paul Burchill is. Is that his real he was name? The pirate. He was the pirate. He was the pirate oh, gimmick okay. from back in the 2000s. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Kyle. I'm too mad to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we also got to talk about the, uh, the tag team division in Raw. More things to be mad about. I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm sorry this is so negative today. It just was it, was, it was a rough Raw. It was a rough Raw this week. Yeah. It did me raw. Angel Garza versus Montez Ford. Again, also, Angel Garza hitting on every woman within eyesight. He had the chick from The Bachelor backstage. He had uh, Charlie Caruso. He was hitting on them both at the same time. Took the chick from Bachelor out of the ring, had her watch his match. In the middle of his match, Ivar came out with a chicken leg, stole his chick right up from out, out from under his armpit. He got distracted, lost the match. Montez did his great spinning 180 frog splash, which is a goddamn thing of beauty. But yeah, Angel Garza lost to Montez Ford. And the feud seems to be continuing Maybe with a little bit of maybe they're gonna maybe it's gonna be the Angel and Andrade versus the Viking Raiders at this point. I don't I don't I don't know Nick I, Nick I don't care I don't care I want that's I, the problem you've built I the love street profits to be teams. amazing you've built Angel Garza got the rocket strapped to him and you've now saddled him also with, with a D list Instagrammer when did Andrade become the Genetti of this tag team he's just kind of there. We fine, we're not we're not words. following up on the story. The story this weekend was they weren't on the same page, and that's why they lost the Street Profits. Right. And again, we didn't follow up on that. We're back to this weird love triangle between Angel Garza, Ivar, and whatever chick happens by, and just you know, it's basically become an ongoing same joke. It's the same joke every time. Ha ha ha! Ivar is the hottest guy on the roster. Isn't that funny? Because he's a gigantic guy that looks like Nick. Not even that. We had this divas kind of element where. The Lister versus Divas. Charlie Caruso just looked at each yeah. other, <clears throat> and then it was like uh. a girl by, and she turns around and walks away. <laughs> I can't believe that you're stealing my mat. Yeah, you're totally stealing my guy. Yeah. Uh, uh. There was a little bit of misuse of women on the show. We also had a three on three match Bianca Belair and the Riot Squad versus Zelina Vega and the Iconics, continuing the poisoning angle. Of course, Bianca still mad at Zelina 
And the Riot Squad is currently feuding with the Iconics because neither of those teams are worthy of going for the goddamn tag team championships. No, there, there, there's no way they could possibly be better than, than Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. I should also mention that at one point in the Lumberjack match, Asuka was outside and took every single one of these women, except for Bianca and, and Zelina, all, all the tag team women, literally grabbed them and just hucked them into the barricade one after the other. They didn't even defend themselves. Boom, 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 boom. All four of these women absolutely annihilated by Asuka with, with half of a move, which tells you so much what they think about them. It tells you, it's so telling. That right there shows you exactly why they're not facing for the tag team championships. You're not even worthy of having any kind of interaction with Asuka. Which I think says everything. And this was this this match was a showcase for Bianca. The whole thing, okay, everyone's gonna have their little deal going on until it comes down to Bianca and Zelina. Bianca kills Zelina, stands tall, everyone points at Bianca, isn't she great? Fine, I'm all down with that. Let's push Bianca. She's an absolute superstar. Oh, she got to keep her entrance music. She did. She did. Mm. I said, but wait for it. <laughs> Kyle, for Kyle it. threw another hundred bits in and said the entire summer has just killed Andrade and Garza. If black, if if black for what? If black is look how they are massacred. If black, if black is look how they massacred my boy Angel Gar. If, if for me, if if, if that's uh, if, if Alistair Black look how they massacred my boy for me, Angel Garza is for Kyle. Yeah. Like, like how, 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 how did, did they ruin Garza yeah. being interesting? And the Charlie and Garza bit does it hurt my soul. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, it feels like they're just they're running wild right now. There's no yeah. fluid. There's no consistency or continuity to any. And of we stuff. even had like a two minute segment where Lana and Natalia came out of the ring doing their stupid little influencer gimmick thing, and said, and and we're, it was basically like a divas Mean Girls skit where they said, okay, so we tried to find all the the really awesome footage of Mickey James and put it together into a video. So here it is. And it was just a blank screen. They're like, ha, 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 aren't we funny? There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing there. Uh, ha, 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 yeah. Get it? Get, get the joke? And then Mickey James comes out, kicks both of them, and leaves. That was a 2007 Diva segment. Yep. I'm just going to throw that out there. So, really, like. That was Bruce just, Pritchard getting back one for Nick Aldis. Who knows what it was? Who knows? <laughs> Again, for two weeks in a row. Yeah. Who knows what was going on this week, but there was misuse of women up and down the card. Yep. Not knowing what to do with Shayna. Not knowing what to do with Nia. Um, Bailey and Sasha, both their matches were were incredibly short. Uh, a bunch of the other women were just absolutely manhandled by Asuka in a nothing throwaway lumberjack segment. You had uh, six women in a tag match that was there just to make one woman look good. You had three women in a Divas segment. Uh, and then you had other women that were there just to be objects of affection for some of the guys. So, yeah, big problems there as well. This is so not overall, the way, WWE. This is not the way. So overall, Nick, I, I got to say, we got to wrap up this Raw here. Overall, yeah, very disappointing Raw. Really rough for a go-home from a really solid pay-per-view this weekend. Um, I'm sorry, guys, that was 45 minutes of bitching. I really am sorry. We do try to keep things positive. I swear to God we do. But that when when we got to call a spade a spade, and when they when they make story decisions that are incomprehensible, when they go in directions that they haven't set up, and they, it seems to be by the seat of their pants, and this this quote unquote long term storytelling that is happening, in some aspects, is just thrown out the window. So much it's hard to invest, and it's hard to care 
because they do the and it's not I, I know it's their ship and they can make it go wherever they want Nick but when, when they're going right and left right and left on some of these things it makes the rest of us seasick and you also had Stephanie McMahon as we reported uh, yesterday I believe out on a media call saying we're gonna 50 50 book the men and women uh, we're gonna you know we're gonna have them even we're gonna we're even talking about doing evolution this ain't bring, the gonna, way we're guys gonna, we're gonna bring in more women writers bring them in you need it hurry please. Give us more real storylines here. So Hurry before I, Doc Brown shows up with the DeLorean and we go back to 2006 and it's miserable. So lots of things to critique on Raw. Some good points, though. Uh, obviously, I thought a, a flawed but excellent debut for Keith Lee. Drew looked like an absolute god. Randy Orton is still the, the biggest heel in the company and he's doing absolutely amazing work. Uh, the whole uh, Hurt business... Storyline overall, I thought was really intriguing and good, even though some of the parts were were kind of lame. Um, so there, there was good here at Raw. I'm Luke Skywalker, Return of the Jedi. There's good in him yet. I feel it. It's still there. It just, man, might have to cut off. My, I had to cut off my hand this week. <laughs> Come on back to me, Raw. Exactly. Well, there you go, guys. We're not done just yet. We got a couple of other things to get to, and we oh, need to take. Stuff. We need to take you over to do some good stuff to wrap that up, wrap it up here. But we're going to start with New Japan. Well, New Japan just finished up its U.S. Cup, and Kenta, formerly Hideo Itami of uh, WWE, who says he will never forget the humiliation of being in the United States, is now facing, he'll be facing John Moxley for the United States Championship. Because he won the cup. Kenta won the U.S. Cup. Uh, that being said, it's a briefcase situation. It's like money in the bank. He has a briefcase now that gives him a guaranteed shot at the U.S. title. Currently being held by one John Moxley. Is Kenta going to show up on Dynamite and cash this in? If he does... I'll lose I, my shit. I will explode. <laughs> I, I will actually... I'll become like a giant explosion of feathers and blood. Uh, so the other interesting aspect here is they've got to do something between now and when Moxley can actually face Kenta. So they did start a little angle here. Jeff Cobb, finest smelling man in wrestling, did attack Kenta after this and says, I want the briefcase. So we got a little feud going on, Jeff Cobb and Kenta, which, oh, by the way, mwah, yes. put it in my eye holes. Give me some of that. So that's a nice little feud going forward there. But it's not just the U.S. Cup that we have going uh, over in New Japan as of tonight, actually. should be tonight because it's starting yeah. Wednesday the 26th in Japan, which is already happening in like Japan right now. as of right now. Yeah. So tonight we will be seeing over on New Japan the king of pro wrestling tournament begins. Oh, New Japan tournament so much. We, <laughs> well, we and this is a particularly crazy one because we actually had fans voting on the stipulations for these matches. Oh. You had uh, Satoshi Kojima and El Desperado put out theirs, uh, Satoshi Kojima said that he wanted to have um, a finishers-only match, meaning you could only use finishers. Oh, my God. Of course, Kojima, his, his finishers are Lariato. Lariato! And, and El Desperado's is Pinche Loco, which I don't know how he would pull off on a guy at Kojima's size. Yeah. Um, luckily for El Desperado, the fans sided with him in a landslide, 68.5% to 31.5%. Um, it's going to be a, a no finishers allowed match now. Oh. So now Kojima can't use his Lariato. Lariato! And Desperado cannot use Pinche Loco. So that'll be an interesting match. 
Uh, King of Pro Wrestling also is going to have a, a three other matches. You've got Toro Yano versus Bushi. Uh, and it's going to be a, t- a two-count pinfalls, meaning one, two, you're pinned, not one, two, three. Oh. Bushi wanted a five-second countout, meaning, remember in Japan, it's a 20-second count, a 20-count right. count countout. And they count it'd fast. Five, it'd be a, yeah, one, two, three. It would be a five-count countout of the ring, which that's what Bushi wanted, which sounds to me, if you're, doing that, if you're in a Toriyano match, that sounds deadly. Either, either of these sounds deadly yeah. in a Toriyano match. 57.2% to 42.8. It will be a two-count pinfall match. So that's going to be... Uh, <laughs> that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Uh, Sonata versus Show. I don't understand what they were doing with the booking here. Both these guys wanted a submission match, so they got it. So I guess we get a <laughs> submission gonna be, match. We're going to have a submission match between here, Sonata and Here, fans and audience, show. would you like a submission match or, or a submission match? Ooh, that's a tough one, Nick. Let me think about that. I'm going to have to go... <laughs> I don't know. Can I use my lifeline here? I can use my lifeline. Can I, yeah. Dad? Is that you? Hey, uh, could I have a submission match or a submission match? What do you, what do you think? A oh, submission match? Thanks, Dad. Um, well, Alex, I'm going to go for a submission. I don't. It wasn't Alex. It was. It was Pat. But still, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Submission Regis match. Regis Phil. Show. Regis Fit. Whatever. Pat. Rest in he's peace, will, wheel of fortune. Rest yeah. in peace to Pat too. I don't know. Is he dead? I don't know. No, not Pat Sajak. <laughs> Regis Philbin from Who Wants to also, Be a Millionaire. Lifeline. I know, man. Just play okay. along with me. With Is Kathy you. dead yet? No. no. Okay. Kazuchika Okada versus Yujiro Takahashi. They've had sort of a yeah. It's been a it's been a feud, <laughs> but at least they're going to have an interesting one here. Yujiro wanted a leather strap lumberjack match. What? Which I would have been down to see, but Okada, he wanted a one on three handicap match. Oh, he Okada, wants to get his hands on Gato. He does. He's going to have, it's going to be Yujiro, Gato, and Jado oh. three on one against Okada in this. The fans were down with that 56% to 44%. There's some potential big Okada story in this one. Getting his hands on Gato. There is. Now remember, all four of the winners will face each other in a fatal four way this coming weekend. Uh, so, and the winner will be the king of pro wrestling. He will then have to defend that title. For the rest of the year, whoever has the title at the end of the year is the 2020 King of Pro Wrestling. Mm. So it's a it's a long involved like King of the Hill kind of, of thing. Business. Yeah, love it. Yeah, a little bit like King of the Hill. Yeah, it's kind of a cool idea. So keep your eyes open for that. And also later on in the week, uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit on Saturday and next Tuesday as well. So check that out over in New Japan. Yes. Well, thank you, Sir Ian Dangerous, for all the breakdowns on the wrestling. And guys, I know we were down a little bit on Monday Night Raw. We were down a lot on Monday Night Raw. Uh, We're bringing it back with some New Japan excitement. And finally, we're going to close things out here with our August edition, brought to you by Jesse Money, our lovely Mm -hmm. patron, Jesse Money, a segment he likes to call the bright side of the ring. Nick, do you like dogs? Yeah, I like dogs. You You like dogs? Oh, you mean dogs. Oh, I like caravans more. No, not no. In all seriousness, love dogs. I know yes. you love dogs as well, Nick. Everyone out there in uh, in the BWO universe, all of you phenomenal ones. Whether or not you like dogs is irrelevant because you know who does love dogs? The Undertaker. Oh, Undertaker loves him some dogs. Uh, that being said, what kind of dog can you envision the Undertaker having? A big one. You don't envision him having like a Pomeranian? No. Chihuahua? No? No. Terriers? No. no. Would you imagine him having 
a Mastiff. Absolutely. Then you would be correct because Undertaker is a big fan of the big dogs. It's not just his nickname that he loaned to Roman Reigns and hopefully one day will take back. But he does also like owning big dogs. In 1999, Undertaker and his then-wife Sarah, remember her? Uh, they adopted a, uh, a, a Mastiff named Zeus. He was 55 pounds when they adopted him at 10 weeks old. That's a, that's a big boy. Old. 10 weeks old. Uh, just for comparison, Dog Ziggler over here is currently 70 pounds. At 10 weeks old, he was barely 5 pounds. He, so th- just give you an idea of how big this damn dog they're, Zeus. They're horses. I've ridden a Mastiff yeah. before. Oh, yeah. No, uh, my buddy Hilton, who also you may know from the Going and Raw show, he guest stars over there every once in a while. He actually got two of these suckers. Oh. He's got two masses running around his house. One's 200 pounds, one's 210. They're both, they're both my size, if not bigger. When they stand up on their hind legs, they're eight feet tall. Yeah, I've, I've had one put it, stand up and put its feet, front feet on my shoulders and stand taller than me. And you just go immediately down to your knees when he does it. Oh, they're about yeah. 250 pounds. They're big, and they also, big dogs. They, they drool like water fountains. They actually have <laughs> bath towels. Hilton has bath towels to wipe their faces, like littered wow. all over the house. Uh, not even a joke. So Taker and Sarah adopted a gigantic Mastiff named Zeus back in 1999. Unfortunately, he developed a, uh, a chronic low red blood count disease, and they couldn't figure out what it was. So they took him to the uh, Veterinary Medical Teaching Hospital at Texas A&M University. Obviously, Taker living in Texas. That uh, makes sense. Uh, but Texas A&M has notoriously, a, notoriously, uh, it's known for its veterinary medicine uh, department. And it's some of the best vets in the world. And despite having all of these world-renowned vets and some of the cutting-age medical techniques, they were not able to figure out what was going on with Zeus. And so ultimately, he did pass away on Valentine's Day in 2004, mm. um, sadly. So, uh, so, but that obviously left a lasting impression on, on Taker and Sarah, and they, uh, um, they actually did something about it. Now, since then, Taker has had lots of other dogs, um, he, not, not including this, the Spaniel or whatever it was, the little puppy that Big Show gave him back right. in 2003 during their feud. Remember that? Yeah, you're yeah. not a big dog, you're a puppy. Huh. No, he actually had other big dogs. He had one called Thor. He had one called Tyson. He's got a 15-pound cat. He's a 15-pound cat named Churchill. Damn. And actually, Churchill used to, apparently, used to love to sit and like ride on Zeus's back. So they all got along. Um, you, if you're not aware, Tiger like, uh, uh, Taker likes big animals. If you watch Tiger King, he likes big tigers, too. He's been to Doc Antle's place a bunch of times. I've got a buddy in uh, South Carolina that has uh, Maine Coon cats. And oh, those are huge. They're like, uh, sort of almost like bobcats. They're, about, they're 25 pounds. They're giant yeah. cats. And they don't give a crap. No. They like one person in the world, and that's the person that, that they bond with first. And aside yeah. from them, yeah. screw you. Yeah. So take, Taker likes them big dogs. He likes them big animals. That has continued. Uh, so in memory of Zeus, Taker and Sarah started the Zeus Compton Calloway Save the Animals Fund at Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea behind this was to save the lives of presumed terminally ill's ill large breed dogs it was for specifically large breed dogs um if someone can't afford to pay the medical bills associated with helping out their large breed dog the fund existed to help supplement that if not pay for it all um 
Now, unfortunately, the from I did a little research. I went on the Texas A&M site. It appears that the charity actually has been temporarily taken down. It's been gone for about a year or so. There, are, but there are other charities that exist at Texas A&M. Um, uh, other funds that you can get to help with your animals. You can actually just go to vetmed.tamu.edu forward slash giving forward slash opportunities uh, and see what kind of funds they have for the veterinary medicine uh, department there. If you do have an animal and you're going to, the, to, to there to get your animal taken care of. Uh, that being said, uh, Taker did not stop there with charities. Uh, he also does charity for multiple other causes. He recently uh, auctioned off his one-of-a-kind ghost motorcycle, which was designed by uh, Jesse James in support of America's Mighty Warriors, which is a, a veterans support group. He did that a few years ago. Uh, and this year, Nick, mm. after WrestleMania 20, remember he was in that Boneyard match? We yep. saw him uh, do, do uh, the last ride and everything. Well, as part of all of that, because of everything that's going on with COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything, he decided to do what he called an all-in challenge. Uh, nothing to do with AEW. It was called yeah. an all-in challenge. Is this where actually, you eat was, all the food on the dollar menus at uh, your fast food restaurants? No, although that does sound delicious. Yeah. Um, but food is involved. It was actually an auction run by Fanatics.com in which all of the proceeds went towards feeding those in need with donations to Feeding America, Meals on Wheels, World Central Kitchen, No Kid Hungry, um, and the thing, everything was auctioned. It was being auctioned off that everyone was bidding on, was dinner with Undertaker and Michelle McCool in Austin, Texas, being flown to Austin, Texas, having dinner with Undertaker and uh, and his wife, and getting a one of a kind, custom made in ring jacket that was actually worn by Taker to the ring. So yeah, pretty cool. Uh, I, and I want one of those. Take it without looking at the notes, Nick. Take just a wild guess what the winning bid was for to, that. How much? How much to have dinner and get a ring jacket with Taker? How much did he raise for those charities just with this one auction? Fifteen grand. Thirty thousand five hundred dollars. Somebody paid thirty thousand dollars for a Taker 30, jacket. Thirty thousand five hundred dollars. People like Justin Bieber and Kevin Hart were bidding on this. Like this was this was a big money ticket. Uh, so yeah, ha hang so this, on. Hang on. <laughs> I, I want to make sure I completely understand this. Yes. Somebody paid $30,000 in the middle of a pandemic, gave $30,000 to get a leather jacket and have dinner with Undertaker and Mel Michelle McCool. Yes. And also all that money went to charity. So if you got it, that's a tax write-off. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> you know... Jesus right? Christ. So, well, I'm so glad yeah. it went to charity. I'm a big fan of both Feeding America and Meals on Wheels. I'm not familiar with World Central Kitchen and No Kid Hungry, but Meals on Wheels and Feeding America are some of those organizations that people don't really know a lot about, but there's so many seniors out there that can't leave their house. There's uh, kids that are you know, in, in troubled homes and things like that that uh -huh. can't get meals, especially they're not going to school. They depend on schools to get meals and get fed and things like that at school. Uh, I was one of those kids growing up in the in the '90s. So I listen. I I love this kind of stuff, and we it's funny. We started out with dog stories and and supporting veterinary medicine and and that kind of stuff, and we end on even a higher note where you're supporting yeah. feeding people during the pandemic like this. Absolutely kind of the, amazing. The, the point that I really wanted to make with this is that you know Taker comes across as being gruff a lot. He comes across as you know the, the dude does not smile or laugh a lot. 
But you can't tell me that a guy who spent nearly 20 years putting a whole bunch of his money on the line to help people uh, keep their their large breed dogs from passing away uh, too early the way that his did, and that it's going to put his neck on, put it, you know, open up his home to somebody to try to feed people that are hungry. Uh, you know, in support of that, give away, you know, give away his bikes, give of him, truly give of himself for charity. And by the way, all of this, the 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 Texas A and M charity, the uh, the motorcycle, the, the All In Challenge, everything else, none of that was ever promoted by WWE. And one of the things that I, that, I, that I do really want to look for with these kinds of segments, it's one thing to do it under the augur of WWE. Uh, WWE has made it clear that they are, are interested in doing lots of charity work and giving back. But they've also been kind of transparent about that partially being for the publicity. Yeah. And that's fine. They're facilitating that and they're using their superstars as their cashing. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, okay, as long as the philanthropy is getting done, don't care what, you, what reasons yeah. you're doing it for. But when someone's going to go above and beyond and do it out of an inner passion and do it, uh, take of themselves, that's something I really do want to highlight. I wanted to highlight the fact that Undertaker is one of those guys who will do that. And he's done, I, I'm picking a small sample size. He's got a lot of charities under his, uh, under his belt, and you very rarely hear about them. Yeah. So I, just, I wanted to highlight them if I could. That is, that's amazing. So that, that is Jesse Money's bright side of the ring this week on The Undertaker. Uh, well, thank you very much, Jesse, and thank you for uh, Surrey and Dangerous for putting that story together. Uh, that's one of the man that really hits. I, I lost. Ripley. Shout out! Shout out to fellow dog lover JB for actually pointing out to us uh, uh, that Taker did had started that charity. So, yeah, mm. yeah. that's what that hit, hits home for me especially. I lost Ripley uh, about eighteen months ago, and man, yeah. that was that was tough. Also, also gone too soon. Yeah, she was a sweetie. <sighs> uh, okay. We're, we're going to be okay. Uh, Nick's going to be okay. It's all good. Bring it back. Well, we're not done quite back. yet. That's not the only bit of positivity we're going to end the show with today because nope. we're still going to head over and do what we like to call our moment of positivity. That's right. The moment of positivity. The moment we're on this show, we let go of all that negative energy that we have for whatever reason. We let it go. We concentrate on that one bright shining thing, or we pick one of the bright shining things from the last little bit in wrestling that we can look at and say, ah, that was something glorious. That was something wonderful. That was something phenomenal. Something that we will take away with us from this show. We can spread it out all to all of you who are listening right now. You all can go back out in the world with a little bit of a smile on your face. And, and have that, concentrate on that as opposed to all that negativity. So, Nick, what was your moment of positivity for this show? The moment Chris Jericho announced the Mimosa Mayhem match. <laughs> there are, there's, and, and I've lost count of how many times Jericho has made me laugh. Going all the way back to the debut of Y2J, coming out, and, and him, tear, him and The Rock yep. tearing down Stephanie McMahon and... All of us, all the way up to the Festival of Friendship stuff with Kevin Owens, all the way, the list and it, and how many times that man has made me laugh hard throughout the years. And he did it again. I busted out laughing when he, I was like, oh, wow, oh, this is going to be juicy. Oh, we're going to get a rubber match. Literally, oh, literally juicy. Literally ooh, juicy. Yeah. We're, oh, God, what is this going to be? Now that they've each got to win, a mimosa mayhem match. <laughs> I was dying laugh. Of, of course it's going to be a Mimosa Mayhem match. What else would it be? It's Chris Jericho. 
Good lord, that was mine. What about yours, Sir Ian Dangerous? I, it's tough because I really, I, I could go Brody Lee and that amazing squash, and the moment where he poured out the remnants of the old AEW title onto Cody was just that to me was so iconic. What an iconic moment! And then Cody and Brandy like barely able to touch hands, and like checking with oh, oh, just, just chew it like a steak. Just great stuff. And that's up. That's like it recently, like, uh, you know, Keith Lee staring at Dijak, you know, going cold and, ca- and carrying across his arms. Another one of those like iconic closing moments of the show. But that was not it. Because as I just said, I mentioned his name. My boy Keith Lee came out on Raw this week, Nick. Mm. And I don't care if it was a flawed debut. I don't care if it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. Keith Lee came out on Monday Night Raw got in the ring with Randy Orton and called uh, his shot on Randy Orton in his debut on the main roster. And after all of these years of thinking the world of the guy as a human being outside of, you know, I'd love to do a bright side of the ring on him sometime, and I might. Um, Thinking the world of him as a human being, as a wrestler, uh, seeing him finally get that moment and WWE having the confidence in him to put him in there with a guy like Randy Orton I, I can't – that has to be my mob. Yeah. It's got to be my mob. Keith Lee comes out on Raw and, and calls his shot on Randy Orton. That's my mob. For he is limitless. He is. He, he, I, I'm so excited to see where this all goes. Oh, man. Well, thank you very much, Sir Ian Dangerous. That was amazing. What a massive, massive show. We well, a big today. Tuesday. Well, yeah. a big Tuesday show. Holy smokes. A lot to catch up on on the – I believe this is the – Final is this the final two? Yeah, it is the final Tuesday show of August. We've got payback this weekend. We're going home. We've got NXT happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with the wrestling schedules. All of the other sports have now taken over, and it's pushing all the wrestling schedule. We're gonna have like a, a, a Tuesday, Thursday night, or a Tuesday night NXT, and a, a, a Thursday night Dynamite. Like, there's schedules are all over the place right now. In madhouse. So it, it is absolutely crazy. Keep up with it. Post in the group. Post in Discord. Keep everybody up to speed with when all the shows are going to be, guys, because uh, we're doing our best to keep up with it here as well. Shout out to Kyle and everybody else that threw in some change, some bits. Really Thank appreciate you guys very it. very much. Thanks Love for hanging support. out in the chat, too. Shout out to the live chat and all of you guys for being here with us on a Tuesday night. Really appreciate it for this massive show. Uh, we'll see you Saturday for the AEW NXT SmackDown and our Pickums for payback. We'll see if we get the exact same match card. It's not going to be, but what most of it is, but we'll see what happens for payback coming this Sunday. Uh, hope everybody has a fantastic week. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash busted wide open to get your BWO daily fix every single day of the week. Join us in the Discord. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Make sure you're following us here on Twitch. If you've got Amazon Prime, you can subscribe for free here to the channel. Help support your boys. And another way, the best way to do that is over at patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those reward tiers to get access to show notes, listener questions, all kinds of good stuff, bonus episodes. There's an entire two-year back catalog My God. of bonus episodes that if you haven't been a $10 patron yet, you haven't heard them yet, including Nick booking both parts. You can get access to all of that as well. Uh, (laughs) So make sure you follow us on Twitch, follow us on the social media, get into the Patreon, get into the discord, all of that good stuff. My name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at data center, dude. And I am Sir Ian dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at 
certainly and dangerous. But by God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.